Specifically, you know, I pitched an idea to a big radio show that I really admired, and it took me forever to do it. But once I punctured the act of doing it, once I did it, it didn't actually matter if I got that piece on air because I knew in crossing this threshold, something had really shifted inside of me. This week, I have a conversation with the award-winning storyteller and audio producer, Megan Tan. Maybe you know Megan how I know Megan, which is from her first audio series that she created in 2014. It was wildly successful, a documentary memoir called Millennial, which became a Radiotopia show, and I have admired her ever since. She has this incredibly unique style of storytelling, which you'll soon hear more about. We actually have a radio moment in this where I confess to her how I realized that I'd emailed her six years ago when she was doing Millennial about coming on this podcast that I was doing, and it didn't work out then, but here we are now, two older millennials still podcasting. (laughs) Unlike me, she ended Millennial while she was ahead many, many years ago. And since then, she has gone on to do several incredible projects. Maybe you came to Megan through her more recent work. She's been at Gimlet. She made this show, The Habitat, which she actually briefly brings up in this. And she's produced episodes for TED, WNYC, Radio Lab, NPR's All Things Considered. And she's worked with Pineapple Street Media. Clearly, she's incredibly talented and done so much and in 2020 actually she was named producer of the year by Adweek. I'm a fan clearly and maybe you don't know Megan at all but you should and a good place to begin actually would be an episode she made of the show Wild which featured a personal story from her about love during the pandemic and that's where I decided to begin the conversation you're about to hear. We start there and stem out to her most recent show, which is a podcast with LA Studios called Snooze. And it's a documentary style show about tackling the things people put off, including something big that she's actually been snoozing herself. I loved it and actually listened to it all in one day. (laughs) So far, the episodes that are up, and I'm gonna keep listening because I felt really inspired after talking to Megan Tan, and I hope that you do too. I I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. If you're new here, welcome. This is a really casual show, <laughs> and I hope you stick around. And if you've been listening, thank you so much. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that you're here, truly. And just a pacing note, she was sweating in her closet and we kind of had to abruptly go from from more slowly talking to jumping into rapid fire mode in the last five minutes 
I loved every second. I could have kept talking to her more. I hope I get to soon. And honestly, I learned a lot. <laughs> I was having a tough day when we recorded this. And after, I felt a little bit better. And then I listened to it to edit it. And I felt actually it, it hit me hard and inspired me quite a lot. And I hope it has that uplifting quality for you too, wherever you listen. It's funny, I, I didn't have this in my notes to say, but I'm going to say it, which is that when I started this show in, in 2013, it was me wanting to get advice from people for free, essentially. And I would make this really long blog post which was show notes, I guess, at the time. And maybe even someone here remembers that. But I would put quotes that I liked. And then I also, it's so sweet and earnest. And I think about 22-year-old me doing this, but I would have a section called takeaways. <laughs> and I would write down the notes that I wanted to remember and things I wanted to implement. And at that time, it could have been anything from putting chia seeds in my lemon water or who, who knows what it it was back then, but it was anything that I heard from someone that I admired that I wanted to try. And that's how I learned by writing it down and, and sharing it in, in some way. And Megan Tan does that as well in a really creative way. So you're about to hear us have a conversation that ranges from her experience in her career, her experience during the pandemic. And we talk about lessons from making big changes, whether it's in relationships or moving, career. And she gives quite a bit of wisdom from her faith Buddhism. And she gets into her thoughts on the future and present of podcasting. And I really learned a lot. And that's why I brought up the takeaways because I did that for this episode. I wrote down takeaways and maybe I'll share them with you. We'll see. But they're here. And Maybe you have your own. I'm curious to find out what will stick with you. Without further ado, here's my conversation with prolific producer, Megan Tan. I'm really happy to be here too. I love just talking to people, so I'm excited. Well, I want to talk about your current show, Snooze, eventually, which I love, and First, there are several other shows I want to talk about with you. But on Snooze, you have asked a couple of guests this question, which I will ask you, which is, how would you introduce yourself at a party? Hmm. I usually just go up to people and I'm like, hi, I'm Megan. What's your name? <laughs> yeah. So I was actually recently at a conference for AAJA, which is Asian American Journalism Association. And I hadn't been around that many people in a super long time. It was like 1,200 people attended. And um, I didn't know a lot of people there as well. And I just did that. I just walked up to people who were having conversations and I would just be like, hey, I'm Megan. What's your name? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of it, right? Just this is my name. And then you you see what happens from there. What other details need to be shared? Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. read the room. Yeah, for sure. And I think in the in the pandemic, we were all 
not doing that for so long that I, I don't know about you, but sometimes still now I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool. This is this is how we meet people. This is how we interact with people. It, it's a it's a slow go coming back to it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had a lot of situations where um like I went to uh a music show and there was this beautiful, beautiful performer and everybody was crowded in and I just had to leave because I was so out of my own air in that space. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't do this ever, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start, speaking of the pandemic, talking about an episode of a show you produced, Wild, which Mm -hmm. is coming-of-age stories in the pandemic. And you tell a beautiful story about dating in the thick of COVID. It's called... How do I love someone starring Megan Tan, you, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. And everyone should go listen, stop listening to this and go listen to that. Oh, there is this part that you said I really related to. I, I remember where you mention someone moving you to the inside of the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. That is a detail that I really loved and, and related to. And, and so as I was listening and, and thinking about it, I'd love to s- start by talking about this because I think talking about dating brings out our vulnerabilities and can be maybe a good place to begin to to stem out and talk about everything else. So in that episode, you you talk about how dating in the pandemic, you were in this little bubble where three weeks felt like three months. And I relate to that feeling about, about time back then. So can you walk us through the timeline of that COVID relationship that inspired the story you told in the episode? Mm. That is a good question. I mean, to be honest, Katie, like I really have to go through the cobwebs of my memory, right? Because not only do we live in Los Angeles where every day feels very similar because there's no season that grounds us in um, a time or place necessarily, right? It's like, especially someone from the Midwest who grew up with so many different, well, just four seasons, but... Yeah, me too. Oh, you too? What what part? I'm from Michigan and it's so hard to remember time here. I'm always like last summer, but I could be talking about February. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I'm from Ohio, so we're we're not too far. Um, So I really have to think. It's not on the top of my head about the timeline. We were together for eight months, so less than a year, I think. And, um, oh, God. Which is maybe like four years pandemic time or something. Yeah. The math checks out. <laughs> you know, I think I think whenever you're I remember one of the shows that I worked on was called The Habitat. And it was with Gimlet Media and it was about four strangers. Oh no, six. Okay, here we go. I'm like fact checking myself. I'm like six. Okay, so six strangers all coming together in a dome pretending like they're on Mars, right? And this happens in Hawaii, they're volunteers. And this is before the pandemic happened. And one of the details of research we did was 
when people actually spend a concentrated amount of time together, it's basically like they're exponentially running through time together. So if you have a partner and you guys are, are living together, or, or let's say you're not, right? You're just dating. Then you only see each other so many hours a week, right? So it's really hard to know someone. But let's say you guys are all of a sudden living together and you spend a whole week at home together, then that would possibly equal, in terms of time, about a month of being together if you guys were dating and not living together, right? Yeah. So it actually makes sense in terms of how the hours shake out that the pandemic, when you're only with one person, let's say your relationship kind of exponentially goes through time um, because you're spending the same amount of time you would with someone in six weeks that you would usually spend with them in six months, right? So in my case, you know, my whole family was in Ohio. I was in California and in, still in California, no longer by myself, but at the time, definitely by myself. And I was single. I was living alone. I got a dog like a lot of people in the pandemic did. And when I found someone that I could spend quality time with, I think our, you know, um, more or less eight months did feel like two years because we spent a lot of time together, right? Like concentrated time together. So the relationship ended in January, 2021. And so I guess it started around summertime of 2020. Yeah. That's when I remember. Yeah. I think I, we first went on a date at the end of June in 2020. So. Yeah. That was such a particularly wild month. And I can, I remember so many details from it. I lived in New York for several years and then left New York on what was going to be indefinite travel. I left on January 1st of 2020. And I say I accidentally moved here because I was in Australia when the pandemic was starting and, and I landed here just days before a lockdown. Oh, wow. I was meant to just be here for, you know, two months, miss the winter in New York and go back. My stuff was in storage in Brooklyn. And I ended up moving here. I still haven't been back to New York, ship my stuff. But around that same time, that June, I... I was living with someone and, you know, but I had, had very few friends here, like you, my family's in the Midwest and that experience of living with that person and uh, is so expedited and talking to you about this, I, I think I'm, I'm understanding why through the context of the pandemic and, and in general, I think being, being our age where we're really similar in, in age too. And it's a really interesting time. You know, I thought, I thought my twenties was, was the second adolescence that nobody really tells you about, but I think the thirties is maybe, maybe the third, or at least it ha has started to be for me. And I think a, a big, I felt oh, wait, so, can I add, wait, can I oh, ask you please. like, yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? The second adolescence? 
oh, I just feel like I I'm learning so much all the time and feeling feelings really big. And I think of that as more of a, a thing that people typically maybe think about with teenagers. And mm. I think maybe the big joke is that nobody really feels like an adult. Mm. That's so interesting. Cause I definitely think that once I entered my thirties or even when I was 29, I was like, Oh, I am closing a chapter for mm. sure. I don't feel the continuum of the anxiety I felt when I was in my twenties into my thirties. And I remember this happening specifically when I first came to LA, I had been thrusted into this manager position that I didn't even necessarily want at the time. It was like a lot of people around me had just left and I was all of a sudden kind of the newest and then most senior person in this role. <laughs> and, and so then I was kind of thrusted into this manager position and then I had to take on all of these responsibilities. And I've been so afraid of taking on responsibilities. Just, you know, I'm the youngest, right? My sister's 10 years older. So it kind of comes with um, that's not true. I guess that's not true. But for me, I've always been like wary about taking on responsibility, whether that's my own confidence of myself of being able to do it. Right. But I didn't have a choice. And all of a sudden I had to really maneuver not only people's emotions, my emotions, you know, making a really stellar product, but also during the pandemic, it was just like all of these different things at once. And I remember being like, this is shit that happens when you're in your thirties, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. right? So, and I feel like from that experience, I, in every different chapter, at least for me, once I realized that I was afraid of responsibility because I felt that it would actually, it felt like it would limit my life, Right whether that was becoming a manager or I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. And so even in my Sokka Gakkai, that's the organization that I'm a part of, um, we have different leadership positions, right? Where people essentially call up other, you know, people and just ask them how they're doing. They study, you present, all of these different things. You just take on more responsibility within the organization. Um, I was really afraid of doing that as well, even though people were like, you would be a great leader, blah, 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 blah. And then even within my family, I was always afraid of taking on responsibility. And even in relationships, romantic relationships, I was afraid of taking on responsibility. And the moment I confronted this fear of commitment, of taking on responsibility, and I was able to look at the fact that the root of this anxiety and also this avoidance came from the fact that I didn't really have confidence in my own life. And then also I didn't see that taking on responsibility instead of it being a limitation, it could actually be a point of expansion for my life, right? Mm. The moment I was able to confront those 
those two things within the root is the moment I felt I really turned a point from my 20s to my 30s because I can now confidently be like I did number one when I look back at my life I designed my life and also the responsibilities that I've taken on have really enriched my life more than have made me feel like it became limited right so for instance in the last episode of snooze which you know i'm sure we'll get to you know my father who's 75 he's going to be 76 tomorrow is his birthday mm. yeah happy um, birthday he's I great yeah. uh he fell right and um and my older who's older was really always supportive of my parents. You know, I'm much younger, so they're they're much older, right? And she's kind of always been the person who is very practical, has always had three jobs, always has like $10,000 in her bank account, you know, ever since she was like 16, right? So when it came to supporting them, she was always the person on the front lines. And I was always like, cool, you got this. I'm going to go hang out with my friends or like figure out my career in New York City, in Ecuador, go on this road trip, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like I was very floaty and I felt like because I was able to be floaty, I was able to have all of these different experiences and I never felt tied down. So when my dad fell, I was the one who really decided because I saw that my sister really needed support that I was going to be the person to step up, you know, that I was going to take on this responsibility of caring for our father instead of being like, oh, I can't work is so crazy. And also I live 2000 miles away from you. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so I feel like at that moment, you know, like all of these different moments in my life where I've been super fearful of deep commitment, I've been able to transform them. Um, And now I have a really beautiful partner who um, makes me want to be a better version of myself every day, you know? Mm. And then also my father just because of, you know, he now lives with me, um, and my partner and, um, we are really expanding our family unit exponentially, you know? And so now I'm just like, Oh, the things that I used to do in my twenties, which is like run around the city, go dancing, like all like just be super whimsical, kind of jump on airplanes and like, I still do a little bit of that, you know, with close friends where I'm just like, ooh, let's go to Palm Springs. Let's go to da-da-da, you know? But I no longer feel like these responsibilities are points of entrapment or limitation. I actually now see them as commitment is really a place for me to expand my life in ways that I can't even imagine, you know? Mm, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, you know, it's, 
it's interesting. I have copious notes and I, I hope we, we, I get to ask you some of them, but when I was just kind of spewing there, I'm like, no one feels like an adult, you know, sometimes things just come out of your mouth and you're just like, well, I, I, I don't even know if that's really how I feel. And I think what I, what I really feel and, and is that everybody's just on a different timeline, you know, oh, some, for sure. something yeah, I wrote yeah. down to, to talk to you about is you, you talk about doing things the Megan Tan way, like you've gone through the back door of the industry and it was really inspiring to hear you talk about how you got stifled when you were asking, you know, is this the NPR, the way an NPR reporter would do this, but instead making sure you're doing it your way because that blocks you when you're, when you're thinking about it that way. And I think honestly, Megan, like it's, it's interesting. Cause like I, I had a really different trajectory where, you know, in my twenties, I, I often, I kept joking when I turned 30 that I was going to have the twenties and my thirties that I never had in my twenties, because I, I worked a full-time job right out of college and I was like managing this team. And it was always a means to an end for me to do this full-time, this podcast. And this was, this was 2013. And I, I eventually did and, and, and do, but I, I was working like so many jobs and I had a, a, a long story situation that caused me to, you know, similarly grounded me and and things happen in your life that, that make you grow up really quickly. And then, you know, so much is unpredictable. I never planned to, to move here. I never planned things this way. And I, right. I think it's mm-hmm. so interesting just how we have to all do it. The, our own Megan Tan way, you know, or mm-hmm. we have to find what, whatever that is. And I, that's something I really love about your work. And, and I really related to, this episode where you, you put that so well about, you know, trying to do it like someone else really, really blocks you. And and you're so specific. I think of you as this audio essayist almost, or like the Joan Mm -hmm. Didion of radio. (laughs) And, and, you know, you, you, you know, it's so funny. I, I was, I was trying to type to see if I had your email when I was, I booked this with your publicist reached out to me a couple of months ago. So I was sending, making sure he, she had the right link. And I, I typed into my email and I had emailed you in 2015. I, I don't know if you remember, but it, I didn't, so, but put the connection together, but we emailed back and forth. Cause I had, you know, just told, sent you a love letter about millennial. And at that time I, I was doing this show to see if, if you had time to come on and, and talk about it back then. And so it's just funny how things oh, that is funny. happen wow. and, and here we are. Yeah. I know That's so and cool. It's, it's a really different yeah. And, and yeah, anyway, but can, can you say more about what you said in that, in that episode that I listened to where you talked about coming in the back door to the industry? And I, I'd be curious uh-huh. if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, well, hmm. One thing I'll say is that nothing is ever wasted, you know? Um, So my background, you know, I was a dancer when I was in high school. And then I went to school for photojournalism. And then I did documentary film for like a little bit. And I really fell in love with audio in documentary film because that's what drives the story. Like people will 
very willingly sit through a bunch of visual chaos. But if the audio is is not up to par, then they'll leave immediately, you know? So basically, I ended up doing, I did an internship with WNYC uh, with Radiolab when I was 21. So this is 2012 before, you know, podcasting became kind of a hit thing. And I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I had applied to this place because I really loved the work that they were doing. But that was it. Like I had never made a a radio piece. I didn't even know what scripts were. Um, It all felt very kind of like a mystery to me, very magical, right? And so I was at WNYC for about six months. And even though I was like logging tape in Pro Tools, I never actually made anything. So I left with, you know, obviously really incredible relationships that would then follow me up until even this point, right? So, um, and then I kind of, I finished college and then I was really confused about what it is I wanted to move my life towards because I had fallen in love with audio, but I didn't really know how to get into it in a professional way because I didn't go to school for it, right? I had gone to school for photojournalism, so I knew very well how to get into a newspaper industry because that's what we were taught. And also that's where, that's, that's how, you know, so many people before us had gone into So one thing that stuck out to me during this time, I was 24. So it took me seven years to get through college. And when I was 24, I moved to Portland, Maine um, with the person I was dating at the time because he was from New Hampshire and from a really small town. And I was from a bigger city and we felt like Portland, Maine would be a, a great kind of middle ground. Also, salt was there and salt was a um accredited audio program so i was like oh if i could just hang out around people they call them salties <laughs> um if i could hang out with people who went to this program maybe i'll learn some things from them right so what i ended up doing was i got a job as a waitress and i worked at ll bean in order to just make money to live right because I didn't have a career or I didn't have a job lined up in the field that I had graduated in. And as I was making money to live, um, I also had an, essentially I was creating a job that I wanted in the future. So there's this quote that I still refer back to whenever I get into different ruts in my life, which is you don't want the, you don't know what the future is, but your present is a manifestation of your past actions. Therefore your future will be a manifestation of your present actions. So that basically means whatever it is you want to be doing in the future, you have to manifest in the present. And so I had decided when I got clear I wanted to do long form radio journalism because all of the things that I was absorbing and I was leaning into was that, right? And so I didn't know how I was going to do that. But in photojournalism, the way that you get jobs is not because you have a degree in photojournalism. It's actually because you have a portfolio, 
right? You could thrust yourself or just throw yourself into different situations and take photos and show that your work and your eye was worth investing in as someone who could contribute to a company, let's say, or a publication. And so um, my partner at the time suggested this to me. He was in video and filmmaking. And so he was constantly doing that with his own work, right? Just going into different scenarios where he could build his portfolio to then get better paying jobs. And so we kind of took this template and he was super supportive of me at the time, you know, cause I was a, f- a few years younger than him and just like very, very lost. And so we would have these kind of business meetings with each other. And one of the things we talked about was like, well, what if I made a show that was about my life, you know, because at the time I was also learning a lot about story structure and character development. And one of my favorite books is called The Writer's Journey. Um, and it basically breaks down the hero's journey in movie language. So it takes all of these different movies and really says like, oh, if you look at this movie, you'll see all of these different elements that basically every single story across cultures have been telling for years, centuries, you know? Anyway, so I was studying this on my own time, but I decided to make, you know, I come from a whole line of teachers. I really love structure. I really love school. So one year around New Year's Day, instead of making a list of New Year's resolutions or goals, I decided to make a syllabus of what would become my own master class, you know, like to get my master's in audio. And so in that syllabus, it was seven pages long. I just broke down all of these different things that I wanted to learn and also different connections I wanted to make. And so basically I taught myself everything and millennial became my quote unquote thesis project. And it was basically a portfolio piece that would then become the thing that I would send employers to get me a job in radio. Right. So, um, so, so basically that's how I kind of came in through the back door is that I didn't get an internship where I was in news you know, doing news stories or writing for the news or doing news spots. Um, You know, even at the time that I was working at L.L. Bean and being a a waitress and also making and doing my own master class, um, I was also applying to a lot of jobs and internships. And I would always get to the final round you know, like it would be me and three other people. And then I always got the rejection letter that was like, thank you so much, but we've decided to go with someone else. Right. And so, um, I think number one millennial became this personal project that really, became a playground for me to try things out. Um, But also it became a place where whenever I got rejected, I could always fall back 
on this project that was giving me life and joy and pushing me because I was pushing myself. And then eventually I did use, this was after the first three episodes of Millennial were published. Then I used those episodes to then get me a job in radio. And they did. I worked at New Hampshire Public Radio for a little less than a year. And I was, con- I continued to make millennial while I had a full-time job. <laughs> and that's when I developed sciatica. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I just sent out a whole um, newsletter about my sciatica. Oh, week. yeah. You're just sitting so yeah. much editing. Ta- yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, yeah. Even right now I'm standing. Same. I just- me too. Oh, good. <laughs> that yeah. was why I was... <laughs> Yeah. Earlier when we had our camera on, I was like, I'm in a, not the spot I'm going to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we just, yeah, can't do it anymore. So, um, but I didn't, yeah. So then like after that, I ran Millennial. I ended up, you know, quitting that job because Millennial became bigger than the two shows that I was working on for the public radio station. And I decided to pursue Millennial full time. In total, I did Millennial for about three years, uh, and then it, it was backed by Radiotopia for about one plus. And, and then after that, I went to become a freelancer in New York City, but because, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Katie, like when you're making something as an independent you're just making stuff up every single time you're doing it, you know, like you don't really know the rhythm of how to make a product because you've never seen somebody else make it. Right. Yeah. Kind of what I meant when I was saying like, nobody really feels like they're an adult, like more what I meant by that was that exactly that point you're making of you're, we're just figuring this out as we go and asking questions that we can, but ultimately figuring out our Megan Tan way or Katie way or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a formula sometimes. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Today's episode is brought to you by Aura Organics. Wow. I really love this stuff so much, truly. Trust your gut appealed to me when it came to my doorstep. First of all, it tastes amazing. And I have tried so many probiotics in my lifetime, a lot of experience. And I'll just say this, these are the most effective ones I've ever tried and I really enjoy them. Aura's Trust Your Gut probiotic and prebiotic supplement contains some of the world's most powerful probiotic strains along with prebiotics to help the good bacteria thrive in your gut so your probiotics can work smarter, not harder. This product is truly incredible. It's great to support bloating and many common digestive issues and I have experience with those and I'll tell you this, these are helping. It has significantly more prebiotics compared to other leading probiotic supplements and I didn't know this, but prebiotics are this very special type of fiber that helps support the health and growth of beneficial bacteria to make the probiotic more efficient and effective. They're available in capsule form and powder form, and the powder form is great for smoothies or adding to oatmeal. Honestly, I eat the powder like with a spoon because it tastes so, so good, which is truly weird. And honestly, I I asked them to send me the capsules because I was like, I don't want another powder, like I'm not gonna like it. And for some reason it is 
really incredible. I'm curious to see what you think. You have nothing to lose. Try Aura's products. And if you're not happy with them for any reason, within 60 days, get a full refund, no questions asked. Get 30% off your first subscription when you text OUT to 64,000. Text OUT to 64,000 and get 30% off your first subscription. That's OUT to 64,000. Message and data rates apply. Terms apply. Available at Aura Organic slash terms. I think after that, you know, I really thought that I had to be someone else in order to be seen, right? Like, I think that that's what it comes down to, is you think you have to be these people who you admire Mm. in order to be seen, um, in order for people to respect you, in order for people to take you seriously. But basically... I think it comes in waves, to be honest. I don't think it's like we get it and then it stays with us forever. I think it's like something you have to constantly remind yourself. I think also, especially as a person of color, you know, because even just being around a lot of younger producers now who are coming up in the industry, like they see the world so differently. And so they're going to hear the world so differently. And I have to you know, I really try to be a someone who's like, because of that, that is actually your superpower. And even though you haven't heard it on the radio before or in these spaces where you are, doesn't mean that it's not valuable to the company and also valuable to the industry that your perspective is unique, you know, is essentially unique to you. Um, so I think that that's really the Megan Tan way and, you know, the Katie way and everybody's different ways. It's like when we can lean into our specificity of our own lives and then use that as a source of contribution and also of inspiration, then then that's how we can give the world just a little bit more sparkle. But if we constantly are thinking we need to sound like everyone we hear, well, that just sounds really boring to me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It sounds so boring. (laughs) It sounds like you've become more of yourself and Mm. then you've been more comfortable with yourself and then leaned into that and been able to share that in, in so many different creative ways and in different forms. And going back to the episode of wild that you tell the dating story in it, I wrote down a line that, that hit me pretty hard where you said, I attract men who are gregarious, but deeply insecure with themselves. And then you go on to say that you realized you too are that way and you change the narrative to attract someone different that that was your hope at the time and mm-hmm. and you wanted to be someone who is secure with themselves and hopefully attract someone who will be a reflection and i loved that so much and and i was going to follow up on that and and ask you where you are with that now but i think you kind of <laughs> covered it which is which is really cool and and inspiring to me and, and shows, you know, I love that 
I've been feeling kind of in a rut and and I've heard you say that that line before and there are so many in in snooze which I want to talk about as well but god if if anyone here is listening and in a rut write that down <laughs> and go listen to snooze basically Aww. but but how does it feel to you know have me read those those words that you said back to you and I'm curious mm. if you want to share anything else on on how you did that or mm. where you are with that now. Mm. You mean with love? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. With love or, or yeah. with, you know, where you were then when you said those, those words about, you know, you saw your, the insecurities and in people you were attracting as mm-hmm. a reflection of where you were and, and mm-hmm. how you switched that. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm Buddhist, right? Um, yeah. I practice Nichiren Buddhism and I chant every single morning and evening this mantra, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And um, in Buddhism, in this Buddhism, everything can be transformed, right? Like there's no, oh, let's forget about it, right? Let's put it under the rug or pretend like it's not there or pretend like we're happy, you know? It's like, oh, if this is something that's really deeply something that really causes you to suffer, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can transform it into your biggest benefit. Right. So when I said that, that a lot of, that I had this realization that a lot of the men that I attract are really reflections of, of what's in my heart, you know, um, that was totally true because at that time I, I was chanting and I was really reflecting on the three men that had been in my life kind of like back to back. And I was like, oh, the common thread are these personalities. And because they were a mirror of me, that's why I was attracting them. Does that, I mean, does that make sense, Katie? Like, okay. Because another way I tell my friends is, you know, sometimes if you walk into a room and you're the type of person who likes to fix people, you will always attract the alcoholic, let's say, right. You know, and it's, it's kind of because that person is a mirror of your life, you know? So in order to attract other people, according to Nichiren Buddhism, I really had to transform what was in my heart. And so the opposite of feeling insecure was being able to be like, I know who I am for me. That was that phrase. And so I really started to chant from this place of confidence of being like, I know who I am, you know, no matter what is happening around me, no matter what my environment is saying, like I am a very strong kind of, you know, solid pillar. And I know who I am. And I really had to chant like that for um, a while, um, a few months. And from there, I did, I started to attract, you know, this really, really, really beautiful person into my life who was extremely, extremely secure with who he is. And he had already done that type of uh, self-awareness and also power in himself many, many years ago. And the thing that was crazy though, Katie, is that 
you know, the moment our relationship started to transform into love, you know, he really had so much love of me. And because I wasn't used to that, right. I wasn't actually used to the love that I usually give people given to me. (laughs) I was so afraid of it. You know, like, yeah, I was, it was so foreign. I was so afraid of it. And so I was actually, I rejected that relationship a lot. I was kind of like, I didn't quite know what to do with it, but I wasn't accepting of it at the time. And so, but I also was kind of like, I don't want to lose this person but I can't yet accept the love that they're giving me. Right. So I really had to go back to chant, to chanting. And I had to really chant that I would fall madly in love with myself. Um, And so I chanted like that. I did three things. Actually, I would chant to fall madly in love with myself, you know, every single day in the morning And then also every single morning I woke up, I would also go to the bathroom and look myself in the mirror and just be like, good morning, beautiful. You know what I mean? That was like the first thing that I would tell myself. The other thing I did was at nighttime before I went to bed, I would, I kind of created this column for myself and I would just, it's called remember when. And it's in my like notes section of my phone. And I would just write down these stories, right? That only I remember, you know, because really you only have the stories, like you're going to be the only person who remembers all the stories in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote down these different stories and they could be super short, like (laughs) remember when you ended your show your relationship of five years ended and you essentially you moved out of your house all in one week. Right. Yeah. And, th- and then, and then I would say, but then two months later, you found yourself in New York city having an incredible time because that's who you are. Right. So it's, it's just like all of these different approaches of affirmations But with the chanting to really fall madly in love with myself, like for me, that was my heart was transforming. And so once that happened, um, and I gave myself like a a time frame, you know, my birthday's in August. And I was like, okay, if I can chant like this every single day until December, like this chunk of time, like, let's see what happens, you know? And During that time, I was able to really start to accept the love that my now partner was giving me at the time. And that, yeah, and that in turn to me was really a shift um, in myself. Like my relationship with myself was starting to change and also what I was worthy of accepting. So some deep that. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I especially love that, that column. Cause it's, you know, you're, you're changing the narrative. There's, 
this Mary Carr line where she, she talks about how I think with fiction, you're having plot and then making meaning where with memoir, it's the opposite where you're having, or no reverse that (laughs) with memoir, you do the opposite. Like you have the, the plot and then you make whatever meaning you reverse that. And it's, it's kind of like, you're doing that every night for yourself. And and I see that I'm going to, I'm going to start that. I'm going to, I mean, I've, I have copious notes of from snooze and from you. And I, I really think that my, my whole life's going to, going to transform to be honest with you. And, And it is very inspiring. You know, that's a, it's a very, optimistic thought and and yeah i just i really appreciate you you sharing all of that i'm i'm feeling so i'm going to be so honest i'm feeling so stressed about time because i have so many directions i want to go with you i wanted to talk more about faith but i want to talk about snooze first because i actually think faith really relates to snooze. I I think when you talk, when we talk more about the show, I I think it'll make, make sense because it's come up your, your faith. And, and I've learned so much that I've written down. I'm really happy that that happened for you. And, and around Mm -hmm. timing, Mm -hmm. one question I I always ask on the show, we do a a round of rapid fires that everybody answers. And one is about about love that we both love. <laughs> and mm-hmm. last week, the guests talked about their relationship. And I, I think you'll appreciate this. And she said that her and, and David, her partner, he, David often says that if he had met her even a week before, he wouldn't have been ready for the intensity of kind of what you're describing. And and so much of life is timing where, where two people have to kind of be at that same place to be able to accept the love or be patient while the other one gets there or whatever it is. And, and it was, it was really cool to, to hear you explain that. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. For sure. Well, let, let's talk about snooze. So it's, it's my new favorite podcast that I binge listened to <laughs> in a weekend preparing for Whoa, this. And incredible, Katie. yeah, it's this tapestry of moments and quotes and experiences and these, these audio essays that are packed with wisdom. And like I said, I, I, I wrote down a few bits that stood out to me that I'd love to share with you. And we can even do this kind of rapid fire and you can kind of tell me your, your thoughts on them, or if you want to add any color to them, but first, can you tell about the show and how you came up with it and and what it is? For sure. So snooze is a show about things people put off. It can be big. It can be small. It can be telling someone that you love them. It can be making a resume and sending it to a company that you really want to work for. Um, Our first episode is about someone who had been putting off getting their driver's license for about eight years. And on the show, people come on, we talk about this block, what they think is really behind it. And then they hopefully (laughs) do the thing that it is that they want to do. And they record themselves in real time. And then us as producers, and also as a host, I check in with them. And, and then hopefully they display this thing that they've been wanting to do, whether it's 
you know, some people wanted to make a video on Instagram for the very first time. Another person wanted to write a song and so they can illustrate it on snooze. It's so good. It's truly so, so good. And I, I love the concept so much. If someone wanted to be featured on snooze, there's a number that they can call. What advice would you give to someone who wants to call the number and tell something that they're snoozing? I would just tell them, yeah, be honest. I mean, pretend like you're sending me a voice memo and just, yeah, tell me, tell me what it is that you've been putting off, why you think you've been putting it off and what it means to you to accomplish it. Also, it's important that the things we do on the show are very specific. So people could say something along the lines of, I want to do it. I want to have a career change. And that's just so broad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to be specific. I want to put on red lipstick and walk down Fifth Avenue in high heels. Right. Like that's so specific. So, yeah, yeah I would say um, specificity, specificity is key. And then, yeah, just really share what's on your heart. I think that's kind of good advice generally for life too, right? Like, you know, one step at a time, be really specific about something and move forward on that and then make another one and tell some people from your heart. It's, it's kind of a good, that's pretty applicable too. Mm -hmm. So before I tell you my, my favorite moments, do you have a standout moment from the show that, that comes to mind from any of the episodes or a piece of wisdom from one of your guests that sticks out to you today? Mm, That's a good question. Gosh. I wonder what it is. I mean, all of the episodes are so different. I think I think the biggest takeaway for me is that we all think that the stuff that we're putting off, the reason why we're putting it off is one thing, but actually it becomes something totally unexpected. I feel like that's like the lesson that we think we're going to learn is is totally different, you know? So the thing that I love about making the show is it really is buy the ticket, take the ride, right? Because you don't know what's going to unfold until people are facing themselves in real time. And they also don't know what's going to unfold. And to me, I feel like that is (laughs) the heart of people really transforming, you know? Yeah. You had, yeah, you had asked Katie about where the idea came from. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I think after, you know, we started this conversation talking about the pandemic. And I think during the pandemic, there was so much information just kind of shouting at us for a really, really long time. And I didn't know what to do with the information, right? It was like, it just started to really overflow in my head. And even in the podcast industry, there was just all of this information, so much information. And I remember when I pitched this show, I was like, I just want to make a show that helps physically one person, you know, and then hopefully in helping that one person, it'll actually inspire other people. So I had, you know, been putting a lot of stuff off. Specifically, you know, I pitched an idea to 
a big radio show that I really admired and it took me forever to do it. But once I punctured the act of doing it, once I did it, it didn't actually matter if I got that piece on air because I knew in crossing this threshold, something had really shifted inside of me. So I wanted to not only have the person who's in front of me, who's a guest on the show feel that way. Like it's not actually about the thing that they want to achieve. It's about the transformation that they're going to feel when they puncture the, the ceiling they set for themselves. Right. Yeah. And then also hopefully like in a time where the news continues to be really stark and reality always feels like it's, it's on fire to just give a little bit of breath that people are living hopeful, transformative lives so that it doesn't always feel like, you know, there's chaos constantly. Mm, Yeah. Wow. That's really cool to hear. But I love the way you, you talk about thresholds because I can, I genuinely, Megan, I, when the music comes on for the show, I feel that what you just described. I feel like this sense of like, okay, I'm going to go do my hard thing now because <laughs> that person did. And I, I think that's from my perspective, what you, what you were wanting to achieve. And, and you said you wanted to help one person and I can, I can tell you right now you, you're, you're helping me. So thank you. thank you, Katie. Yay. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. And another thing, from one of the episodes you you have on Rosario Dawson. And that was one of my favorite ones. I, I listened to that one twice. There were so many good lines and one is fuck them and feed them rice. And they, I think they come from her uncle. And another one is don't have anything on your plate that you don't want to eat. And there, there's so, so many, but one of them seemed really counterintuitive at first when I heard it, but, but you, you spoke about it earlier and it's, committing to something when you're not sure of it, really going all in and and fully committing. And she says that your body will have an allergic reaction to it if it's not right for you, but it'll keep you vacillating between indecision. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really fully understand it as she was describing it, but it really landed with me when you provided some more context to it. And you, you said something like, as much as you hate being indecisive and unsure, it's what you do when you're scared. And mm-hmm. I think that this beautiful story that you told, you know, about your dad and, and about where you are in your life now, it, it seems to me like I was, I was going to ask you where you are with that. And if you've took that advice, but similarly to my other question, it, it sounds like you have, is that true? <laughs> yeah. I think unconsciously, I feel like because I have more confidence in my life, just as a human, not even as like a creator, if you just cut work out of it, I mean, living purely alone during the pandemic, thousands of miles away from your family, definitely helped me recognize my own strength as a person. And while there are constantly, constantly, constantly challenging times, I, I don't know. I think it's almost like because I've I've been through so much back to back 
it just felt like, oh, life is just, this is just living, right? It's just like the con- like there's just constant obstacles at times, whether they're external or internal. And for me, I've just tried to make them fun. <laughs> so yeah. I'm always like, okay, how can I squeeze value out of this, right? Like even a fight with my sister or a disagreement at work or being tired in the morning. You know what I mean? I'm always just like, okay, there is a positive function and a negative function in this moment, in this conversation, in my brain. Like, how do I intentionally reach for the positive function? Right. So that ever, so that, so that literally everything becomes a benefit. They say in Buddhism is that the people who suffer the most actually deserve to be the happiest because in terms of energy, it's like the lower you go, when you transform it, the inverse is also equally, that same energy that's super low is also equally super high. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I really always think like, oh, how can I, how can I make everything a benefit? You know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, every bit that you've shared about your faith, about Buddhism or different pieces of wisdom from, from your mom or or from you that have come up in the show have really stuck with me. And, and, you know, to your point before about your mantra that you say in a rut and kind of what you're speaking about now, it reminds me of something that you said, and you'll have to help me here if I remember this correctly, but it was about causes and Mm -hmm. you were talking about because what you're saying there is just practice, like doing some mental gymnastics to take one cause and change it in your brain to make a positive cause first in your brain. And then, and mm-hmm. then your environment will start to reflect that. And mm-hmm. that really stuck with me. And did I get that correct? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be more specific. Yeah, like, please. Yeah. Like causes are thoughts, words, and actions. If you're trying to be one of the best writers in the world, but you're constantly telling yourself in your brain that you're not, then all of the action you're taking is also kind of like canceling itself out in a way, right? Because the causes in your brain are also like there are effects of those two causes are thoughts words and actions and this idea really comes from how it always starts with us again this all comes back to buddhism but it's like whatever it is that you want you have to decide first that you can have it whatever that is right you have to decide for instance like so every single morning i chant and i write down exactly what I'm chanting for. So I'll, I'll say, you know, instead of like, I really want, da, 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 I'll say, I will, I will become a homeowner in Los Angeles before I'm 35, right? I just decide this is fact. And then from there, you know, I really start to transform any doubt that I have in my heart by chanting And then from there, I'm able to have the confidence and the courage to take the action to become a homeowner in LA, right? So, but it always starts with me. And I think it's really easy for any one of us to blame our environment 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, but houses in LA are so expensive or, you know, yeah. I could never make this amount of money to be able to afford blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, that's so fun. I just, I, I realize I'm doing the opposite. I just made the joke last night. I was at with some friends and I was like, I actually did the opposite of this where I made a joke of like, yeah, I heard the daily episode. I'm never going to be able to buy a house in my life. Like I, I keep, you know, as a joke saying these, ma- they're essentially mantras. It's like, I'm doing the same, but opposite. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a cause, right? You're yeah, out, yeah. You're creating a cause where you're saying, oh, I could never own a home in LA. Yeah. Right? But then you become a self-fulfilling prophecy in totally. that way. Yeah. And then... And I'm saying it to be like funny, but I'm, I, that's something I need to snooze immediately. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost like what, you know, it really forces us to see like what actually exists in our hearts, yeah. you know? Because it's like, oh, is it... Is it that we can't or do we just not believe that we can, right? You know, right. so. Productivity, greatest lesson on productivity or how to spend your day. Mm, um, before I go to bed, uh, the day before, I always write out exactly how my day is going to go the next day. I love that. So, yeah. So I like, like almost long form a calendar and I block out my time. That's great. What is um, your greatest lesson on burnout? Um, preventing it. Preventing it. Uh, airplane mode. Your phone. Ooh, that's great. What, once a week. You have been podcasting and doing this for a really long time, and and seen so much change in in the industry. What do you love most about it, and and where do you see the future of it? Uh, I think the thing I love the most about it is you can be transported into a totally different world every single time you listen to something, whether it is listening to a conversation you don't feel like you should be listening to or, you know, literally taken to a, you know, a totally different country, um, sitting next to people whose hearts you're going to hear, but whose faces you'll never see. Like, I love that. And then where I think it's going to go, I'm not sure. Like, I think that podcasting is starting to become a place where it's it's almost like TV and films, right? It's where people can come and experiment and try new things, but it's also where people want to make money. So I think... Yeah, I don't know. I think the people who have been here and really love the medium are going to stay. And then people who um, saw it as an experiment are going to figure out if they want to keep experimenting or move on to something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is incredible. And I have, you know, many more, more questions and many more compliments for you, but I'm so, I want you to get out of your closet. So thank you so (laughs) much for doing this. The name of the show is let it out. And we always end by letting out a a deep breath together. Um, so are you, are you down? (laughs) Yes, I'm down. Okay. Inhale, let it out. (sighs) 
Thank you so much, Megan. I'm I'm really glad that that we did this, and it was it was so cool to see that email from so many years. I know ago. I'm gonna and look it up on my end too. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. It's to the at millennial account, but oh my god, it felt Hilarious. like a video moment to to say that. So yeah, well, anyway. congratulations, Katie, for having the show um, go on. First, you know, it's such a it's an uphill battle to continue to make you know a show. So kudos to you, and um, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. That was going to be one of my questions too. Like how to know when to, when to quit, like when to stop something or when it's not feeling good. So I think it's always discerning, like when, you know, ups and downs. And I, I have a lot of wisdom I'm going to sit with after this and, and, and more episodes of snooze. So thank you for everything that you make. And it's so nice to be connected to you. You too. Thanks, Katie. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Oh, Katie. Yeah. Before oh. you before you leave, can we take a photo together? Yes, I would love that. Yeah, let's I'm, do I'm it. standing because of sciatica. So. Oh, I love it. Okay, ready? I'm in my studio, which is also my um, bedroom and uh, oh. every room of my house. Oh, that's great. It looks beautiful. Oh, thank I'm you. in my closet. Normal. I know we're in, we're both sweating, so I know. Here in LA. Okay. Right, what do you what do you want to say? Um I don't know. Uh, <laughs> All right, ready? One, two, three. See you around here, around the neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll Maybe be around. Coffee or something. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll message you. Amazing. Sounds good. Okay. Have All a right, good day. Bye. Later. You too. Bye. That was my episode with Megan Tan. I am really happy that we got to record this after so many years. And I hope that you are as inspired as I am. And I hope you listen to Snooze. If you want more where this came from, more of Megan Tan, that's the place to go. As well as check out that episode of Wild and follow her and her work everywhere. Get obsessed with her like I am. Listen, I'm going to call in to her show and I am going to tell something that I'm snoozing. I hope I'm specific enough. You heard me ask that self-serving question just like I did in 2013 when I was interviewing people I wanted advice from because I didn't know this at the time, I really was asking that for you. However, I've decided that I am going to call in and tell her something that I'm snoozing. I'm curious about so many more things that I wish I would have gone to ask her. Like, I really want to know what her morning routine is. Like she talks about her chanting and her journaling. I have so many questions. Can I chant? I want to. I, I'm so fascinated by faith and Buddhism and I'd love to know how she came to it and if she grew up with it and the role it plays in her life now and every bit of wisdom that she shared really landed with me and I hope that it landed with you. If you want to listen to more episodes from the archive, I think you might like if you like this and you want to hear it from another podcaster, Brendan Francis Noonan was on a couple weeks ago talking about his show Not Lost and that episode might be of interest to you. We mentioned Pineapple Street Media at the beginning because Megan worked with them and Jenna Weiss-Berman was on many years ago. She's one of the founders and that's somewhere in the archive. Dive on in. Water's warm. Don't go too far back, please. I'll cringe that you listened from when I was uh, basically a child podcaster. I'm so grateful that you listened all the way to the end. If you want to learn more about me, I'm 
here for you. You know where to find me. I'm at Katie Dillout on Instagram and Let It Out. The podcast you're listening to right now has its own Instagram, Let It Out with three T's. It's actually me as well. Shh. Um, but you can message me in either of those places. And we will be doing another group round of creative underdogs in process. The group that I started in 2020. That's, you know, honestly pretty similar to snooze. It's a group that comes together to help you to not snooze the things that you want to do. Next week, you'll hear more about it with an episode. You'll see. You'll see next week. Like I said, I'm going to call in to snooze right now and tell Megan what I'm snoozing. Should I tell? You know what? That's for Megan and her team to find out and for you to perhaps find out at some point. But I'm going to go do that now. You should call in too. Maybe, maybe you'll be on the show as well. I love you. I'm so grateful that you're here, that I get to do this. And I'll see you next week. I'll talk to you next week. I hope you're having a good summer. And maybe you ate corn on the cob or perhaps you went on a trip or maybe you went to the beach. Let me know. Bye. Bye.